0: I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zivyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Hi everybody, thanks so much for listening. Um I hope that you have had a chance to check out We Found Time, wefoundtime.com, my new online magazine. We have such amazing essays out this week and I really hope you'll take the time to go read them or send them to friends or see what you think and I'd love your feedback if you have any thoughts. All the essays on We Found Time are written by authors who have been on this podcast already, so it's original content and I think it's really awesome. So I really hope you'll check it out. This week's sponsor is Nini's Treats, which is my in-law's crumb cake business. And it is so good. And they had gone on hiatus for a little while and they're back in business now, stronger than ever. And it's the best crumb cake in all different flavors. And you can order it on goldbelly.com. And their brand is called Nini's Treats. Nini is my husband Kyle's grandmother, N-E-N-E apostrophe S, Nini's Treats and you just search it on Goldbelly, and they have this amazing black and white crumb cake and a regular crumb cake. And anyway, it's really delicious. And for everybody who is at home and going stir crazy, um, it will ship really quickly and fresh and you can freeze it if you don't eat it right away. So anyway, ninestreats.com or go buy it on goldbelly.com. I'm here today with Rachel Birch, B-E-R-T-S-C-H-E, who is the best-selling author of MWF Seeking BFF, My Year-Long Search for a New Best Friend. Also, Jennifer Gwyneth and Me, The Pursuit of Happiness, One Celebrity at a Time. And now, her latest book, which I am obsessed with, called The Kids Are in Bed, Finding Time for Yourself in the Chaos of Parenting. She is also a journalist and editor whose work has appeared in the New York Times, Parents, Marie Claire, Teen Vogue, Seventeen, Self, Cosmopolitan, Women's Health, New York, and more. A former producer for Oprah.com and an editor at Oh! The Oprah Magazine, she lives in Chicago with her family. So welcome, Rachel. Thanks so much for coming on, Moms. Don't have time to read books. Thank you for having me. So excited. I was just telling you as we started chatting over Skype, this book is like the perfect book for my podcast and me. And I feel like I, like, I almost wish I had written it myself. It's like the perfect, (laughs) It's exactly what I'm trying to do with my podcast. It's like amazing.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yes. I know. When I learned of your podcast, I sort of was like, oh my God, she's my, like my faraway spirit sister. We like, (laughs) we need to connect. Exactly.
0: I'm so excited. This is like the best part about connecting with other authors and people. is just like meeting people who you might not have met who have like so many similar thoughts and feelings and, and goals. And yeah, how else would we have found each other? You're not, you're in Chicago and I'm here. And
1: it's just, yeah. that's my favorite thing about writing books is like, I, I think most, the books that I write often are sort of about just the things that are on my mind that I'm like, I can't be the only one thinking about this. And when they come out and I hear from people who are like, oh, I thought I was crazy or, oh my God, you're like totally speaking to me. That is, very re-
0: rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Okay, so The Kids Are in Bed is the title of your book, Finding Time for Yourself in the Chaos of Parenting. So tell me a little more, tell listeners what this book is about, and then tell me how you decided to start this book.
1: Yeah, so this book is about sort of how parents use our time when we aren't physically parenting or working. So it looks at sort of how our time use has changed over the years, and also some of the myths about how we use our time or, how, or the time we do or don't have. And then it looks at the three areas of our life that kind of take the biggest hit when we have kids. So self-care, romantic relationships, and friendships, and tries to kind of look at ways we can create time, how we can use time, but also just sort of talks to parents at large
0: about kind of how, why it all feels like we don't have time to do anything. So you did you decide at the beginning to launch your study of time-spending habits? Was that part of the original idea? No, you know, it's the, the book
1: came actually the, the kind of kernel of the idea started because I was, I was working a full time day job at a tech startup. So I was like working all day, I would rush home to relieve our nanny, and spend some time with my kids and put them to bed. And then I would get back to work because my office day was meetings all day. So I had to do the actual like work from let's say, you know, seven, at that point, my kids went to bed a little earlier to nine. And then I was also working on a book, not this one. And so I would then switch to book writing and then I was working until, you know, 11 or so. And then literally falling asleep at the computer sometimes. And I was on the phone with my best oldest friend and she was like, when do you have time to watch TV when I told her this? And people always laugh when I say that, but the reality is like, I love to watch TV. It's like the thing I do for just comfort and relaxation and refreshing And so what she really meant in that moment, I think, was like, when do you take care of yourself? When do you do anything other than work? And it got me thinking about that question of like, when do I do that? And I talked to all these friends who all have kids, but have different lives and different jobs. And some don't, you know, work in an office, some do, but everyone feels that way. Like, who has the time? And so I wanted to dig in that way. And so it started more kind of in a memoir place. And then I backed up into like, how do we make this not just my story, but kind of everyone's story? And that's when I decided to do kind of the bigger research of surveying parents.
0: I love how you found that 15% of parents are these role models. Tell me what it means to be a role model in your study.
1: Yeah. So our study was of 500 parents nationwide. And we asked them all these questions about how they use their time. And there was 15% of parents, as you say, we call them role models because they felt great about how they use their free time. You know, the rest of the parents had all these regrets or concerns with why they couldn't use their time well. But 15% said, like, not me. I feel great about it. And there were three things that made those people different. They prioritized friendship. They prioritized exercise, or I should say, they prioritized time with friends. They prioritized exercise and they deprioritized time online. So these people sort of, it's hard, it's impossible really right now for us to say from our study, if it's because they did those things, they felt better about their time or there are people who felt better about their time. So they were better at filling those things in. But there's kind of the relationship is, undeniable if you are doing people who are doing those things feel better and similarly people who are not you know the first thing they do is and pick up their phone and start scrolling seem to feel better about their time also good advice. This is good uh, inspiration. I don't, I'm, I don't know that I am a role model yet, but I am, I admire them.
0: I, I am not a role model either and I admire them too. <laughs> I want to become one, but another thing you talked about in the study was avoiding contaminated time, especially guilt, which this is like one of the best parts of the book for me. So you cited that 71% of parents agree or strongly agreed that their free time didn't feel free because they were still thinking about everything they could or should be doing, which I completely relate to. So how, what are we supposed to do about contaminated time? What do you think?
1: Well, I talk about in my book, something called pockets of indulgence. And to me, that's sort of my solution or my suggestion, because yes, if we are, you know, I always say like, if you're lying on the massage table and you're thinking about all the emails you need to return and the birthday presents you need to buy and the diapers you need to order, then that time doesn't really feel that relaxing. Even if you're doing sort of the ultimate relaxing activity, and I think when people say like, oh, you should just take me time, it can feel so nebulous and endless and there's dishes in the sink waiting for you and, and it can feel sort of intimidating. So we don't do it. I talk in my book about what I call pockets of indulgence, which are literally pockets of time with the beginning and an end. I think the end part is sort of the important part where you can really lean into doing something for yourself. And that doesn't have to be two hours. It can be 20 minutes. But I was talking to a friend about it once and she felt she was like, I like that there's an end because then I'm like, OK, I can get back to all the things I want to be doing. I feel like I should be doing. We have all this guilt and we feel put all this pressure on ourselves as parents and moms to get everything done for everyone else. And so it feels selfish, unfortunately, to kind of take time for ourselves. And it shouldn't. But, you know, that's the reality. So I like the idea of pockets of indulgence, because then I say, you know, the dishes will be there, you can get back to it in 20 minutes, you can tell yourself, like, I'm going to do that. So you can really give yourself permission to like lean into the time that you are giving yourself to watch a show or read a book or do a crossword puzzle. Those are my, (laughs) my things. And then, you know, in the best case scenario, I say you might kind of lose yourself in that activity. And maybe you go over your window, and then like the dishes will still be there, everything's going to be fine. But I think if you kind of understand that you're not ignoring all the the must-dos and just really kind of taking the time that you're whatever amount of time that you can allow yourself and enjoy it, perhaps you can get rid of a little bit of that contamination.
0: And I like that it's 20 minutes because it's not even that long. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been trying to, since I read your book and before this podcast, I've been trying in like little it's and bitsy pieces of my life to do that. So the other day I met a girlfriend for coffee And it wasn't even 30 minutes we were together and it probably took us longer to plan it. But both of us were really busy and we just had a chance to like sit down and give each other a hug and remind each other that we loved each other and that no matter what was going on, like we just had that like connection, that moment. Uh And I didn't need, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, coffee with a friend. gonna be like an hour and a half. Right. Like, how can I treat myself to that right now, right? Yes, exactly. I think 20 minutes is something of
1: a magic number. You can get a lot of refreshment. I mean, you know, exercise experts say you can get a great workout in in 20 minutes. You can take a power nap in 20 minutes. You can get a lot of, you know, good work done in 20 minutes. So... One of the things we learned, we heard from parents in the survey was that sort of the biggest challenge to using their free time in a way that felt good was that their chunks of free time were too short. And so I think reframing your kind of idea of what free time looks like, because if we wait for two hours or even an hour, sometimes that just doesn't come up. But 20 minutes, if you're kind of ready for it, can pop up unexpectedly also. And I think, as you say, kind of grabbing that time when suddenly you've dropped some one kid at a birthday party, but the other one doesn't need to be picked up from dance and you're like, oh my God, I have 20 minutes. If you're not sort of quote unquote prepared for that time, it can be really easy to feel like you've wasted it. I, I know personally, I often like pick up the phone and just kind of scroll social media, which is great if you enjoy doing that. But if you feel like it's a waste of time, then you're going to feel regretful about your time. Or I spend that time like staring at a wall thinking about like, what I bet I could be doing something good with this time and then I can't think of what to do. So I even have like a little list on my phone of like, here are things I can do in 30 or 20 minutes. So that the decision fatigue, I don't spend all the, I don't waste the time thinking about what to do with the
0: time. One time I was on a plane and I like by myself the first time that I didn't have my kids and like forever, this is years ago. And I remember sitting there being like, I don't even know what to do. Like, should I watch a movie? Should I read? Should I, like, I don't know. How am I going to use these, like, three hours to the best of my ability? What should I do? And I just, like, sat there. <laughs> I guess I was like, how can I squeeze all this in the best way? And then you end up doing nothing, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. I hear that
1: from so many parents, and, and I experienced that myself. Like, the, I think once you have kids, this pressure, your free time feels so extra precious that the pressure to use it, like, quote-unquote, well and or productively is so high. And I feel like people... I hear from people all the time who say, you know, the the pressure to, like, make the right choice of how to use my time it is so overwhelming that I end up doing nothing.
0: And just the mental space that guilt takes up, which you address in the book. I mean, I have a girlfriend who I had coffee with about a year ago, and I was like, how are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm good. I've decided to stop feeling guilty. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I just gave it up. I decided not to do it anymore, and now I feel great. I was like, how do you how did you do that? And she meant it. Yeah. She and she has stayed that way since. She's like a working mom, she commutes, all this stuff. And she's like, My kids are lucky to have me and whatever time they get is great and they have great lives. And I'm just gonna keep doing it that way. And she's now she's so much happier. And she's right. I mean the research really does bear that out that like we are doing enough
1: for our kids. We're even full time working mothers are spending more time with their kids now than they did in the sixties. So I think we have this idea that you know, this world of intensive parenting, we all have so much guilt that like we should be doing more and more and more for our kids. But the reality is that, that like your friend said, like we're doing enough and they're lucky to have us. That's true. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. If we can let go of the guilt, I think everyone would be better
0: off. Easier said than done. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. You also talk about the paradox of how much free time parents have matters far less than how much they feel they have. Because we might actually have more time. But we don't feel any sort of calmness or ability to maximize it. And I don't, what do you think we should do about that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's like you said before, that contaminated time. We all feel like we don't have time. And, you know, it's really interesting because, like you say, there's all this kind of American time use data about how much, quote unquote, leisure time people have. And, you know, what they find is that even like the most time strapped people, which are, according to this study, I think working mothers of kids under six have like three hours of leisure time a day, which when you say that, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. And when I tell, when I mention that to parents, they usually laugh or even like we get defensive because we feel like, no, I don't have that. And I want to show that I'm like doing so much. But if you feel like a person who has time, you know, it's, it's so much, as you say, about sort of how you frame it. If you're someone who you read one poem a day, suddenly you think of yourself as a person who reads poetry. And if you're a person who reads poetry, you must have some time in your life versus, you know, like I said, if you're on a massage table, but you're worrying all the time, then you're going to feel like someone who doesn't have any time to yourself. So a lot of it is sort of using whatever small amounts of time you have in a way. And, you know, I want to stress that I'm not saying in a way that's productive, but more in a way that feels good. You know, it might be watching a TV show or looking out the window. It doesn't have to be exercising or, you know, getting work done or doing a big project. I think we live in this kind of world of we put so much emphasis on self-improvement and productivity that we feel, you know, guilty if even if the time we use that we have for ourselves we don't use in the quote unquote right way. Totally.
0: Yeah. I feel like we're just all so hard on ourselves. It's like yeah, there's exactly. like this constant sort of punishing you
1: know, <laughs> of, like hierarchy of how we use our time, you know, you, I, I feel less guilty saying to my family, like, I'm going to go work out on a Saturday. But if I said, like, I'm just going to go see a movie, you know, I would, I would feel really guilty. But the time away from them, it's still the same, you know, two hours or whatever. It just depends. It's just different what I'm doing. But, you know, certain things feel more, you know, valuable or worthwhile than others. So
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of guilt and mental stuff wrapped up in that. And yet, this is really life at the end of the day. I mean, like, this is it. Like, how we use our time is who we end up being. And this is, like, sometimes in my head, I'm like, well, I'll just wait till my kids are older or whatever. But now I have kids with, like, I have seven and a half years between my oldest and my youngest. And by the time my oldest goes to college, like, I'm going to be, like, a senior citizen, basically. So I can't keep, like, putting my life on pause until the kids are older. Like, this is most of my life. So if we miss it, We don't get a chance to get it back, not to sound like dire, but there has to be a way, a more workable strategy to getting through it all in a good way.
1: Yeah. And I think also, you know, I always appeal to people when we talk about letting go of the guilt, but it's also, this is your kids' lives and this is what you want to show them. You know, one thing, you know, studies show that what kids want is not actually more time with their parents, what they want is less stressed parents. So if we can take small bits of time to kind of feel better we're kind of serving everyone. And sometimes, you know, I know mothers, we don't want to, even when we know better, it's hard to really believe like, oh, I can I should do something for myself. But maybe if you know, it's also for your kids. I mean, I have a daughter who I really want to see me doing things for myself because I want her to learn the you know, she can take care of herself and that she's important. And if she decides to have kids one day, I want her to feel like she's allowed to take some time for herself. So sometimes when I'm, when I'm caught in the guilt spiral, and you know, even me, you know, I'll say to my husband, like, I don't know, I haven't seen the kids. And he's like, you know, there's a book about that. (laughs) But I remind myself, you know, and I say to my daughter, like I am going to book club. It's, you know, I love, I get to see my friends once a month and it's really important to me. And I try to kind of model that for her because I think, especially for girls, it's important that they see
0: that. And also just keeping a sense of humor the way you just did with your husband. I mean, that's also important is like not to take it so seriously, which is hard when we're all like sleep deprived and stressed and, Uh, you know, whatever. But I don't know, maintaining some.
1: Yeah, the kids are going to be okay and we're going to be okay. And I think, you know, I'm not saying that every single day you should be able to fit in your kids and your work and time for yourself and time for your spouse and time for your friends. I mean there's only so many hours in the day obviously. But
0: you know, if we can fit one thing in here and there, I actually think the return on investment is really big. I'm starting this content site which I think I I already told you about yeah. which launches on mothers day which is helping it, my goal is to help moms with exactly this like seeing what they could do if they did spend the time on these things. So I'm going about <laughs> it like, like moms don't have time to have sex. Moms don't have time to work out. Moms don't have time to, and I'm getting personal essays from people yeah. on the podcast like you. And my whole goal is like the goal of your book. Like, well, what happens when we do take the time out to go running? Or what happens when, you know, we do, I don't know, write that book we always wanted to write or something?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think seeing how other people do it or make it work or kind of the creative ways they do things is always is really helpful. I mean, for me, I'm I'm a sucker for all of those essays and kind of schedules that people, you know, different sites post about sort of how other people get it done.
0: Speaking of how people get things done, tell me about how you got this book done. How long did this book take you to write? When and where did you write it? Did you do it like your last book where you did it after a long day at work?
1: Yeah, I got this book done at night <laughs> on weekends. But you know, I switched after I was at that tech startup, I switched jobs to one that had a more reasonable kind of work-life balance so that I could spend time on book writing on the side. And I really, you know, I love doing that. But definitely, it was something I had to fit in sometimes, you know, literally sitting outside my daughter's bedroom after trying to put her to sleep and she did not want to go to sleep and my husband was traveling for work. You know, I'm lucky that some weekends I could say to my husband like, okay, go to the park. I'm going to stay here. I have to get... You know, x amount of words done. I do kind of keep myself on a schedule where I say like I need to do three thousand words a week or something because otherwise i I'm just the kind of person who like won't get it done. so i I'm pretty like strict about that. But you know, you had asked me prior, you know, did that did writing the book count as my quote unquote pockets of indulgence? And I would say, no, <laughs> you know, I love writing, but, I think work is still work and that's different than time for yourself. And I really, like I said, I love writing, but it was the kind of thing like I had to get it done. I had a, you know, so it didn't feel like that relaxing feeling of when you, you know, sink into a novel or something like that. How much time did you have to write the book? I had about a year, but I probably, you know, that, that involved some outlining and some kind of back and forth with my editor. So the actual writing process was probably more like six months which is why, you know, I'm one of those people who is better at at, like with a tight deadline and with like clear kind of guidelines. So I always email my editor when I'm starting a book and I'm like, not just, I don't just want the due date, but let's talk about like when part one is due, when part two is due, so I can make sure that I don't find myself the night before the book is due trying to write, you know, 80,000 words. Yeah. A little overwhelming. (laughs) I am, I am a person who will start something the night before it's due if I don't kind of. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Yeah. So. But you
0: know, you know, I know myself, so I put I put guardrails in place. <laughs> do you already know what your next book is going to be? This is so. This is your third book. This is my third book. I don't know what my next book is going to be.
1: I'm still sort of processing this one and and doing some public, publicity stuff. But I and I also do a lot of book collaboration, working with other authors who are trying who are writing books, helping them kind of get their books out in the world. So I'm doing some of that, and I really love that work as well. So I don't know. I'm sort of in that place right now where I'm like. I don't know what, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen next, which is both exciting and terrifying, <laughs> but trying to be
0: centered about it. <laughs> semi I successfully? I also wanted to go back between feeling regretful about leisure time and feeling refreshed by leisure time. And yeah. I know this sort of dovetails with everything else that we had just discussed, but I love that differentiation and keeping that particular, you know, bifurcation in, in mind. Can you talk about that for a sec?
1: Yeah, of course. I think, you know, a lot of us, myself included, I mentioned the phone, but there are a lot of things that we do with our time because, you know, after we put our kids to bed, we're all kind of tired and depleted and we spend all day making so many decisions for other people and for ourselves that I think sometimes we just don't, we just can't figure out kind of how to spend the time. So we either... You know, I sometimes find myself just like moving water bottles from one shelf to the next for 20 minutes. And then I'm like, what just happened? I'm (laughs) tired. I have to go to bed. I mean, what did I just do? Or rereading emails that I've already sent or like looking online for things that I'm not going to buy. Just like uses of time or like ruminating on camp dates or how are we going to figure out the summer schedule for the whole family, even though the camp dates aren't available yet. So it doesn't even, I can't even actually solve the problem. You know, there's so many things that we do with our time that don't feel great. And then suddenly it's bedtime and I'm thinking to myself, like, what did I just do? And I feel, I do, I feel really regretful and sometimes even resentful that I have, you know, wasted this time or I don't have this time to myself anymore. And now I, you know, I'm like, okay, I guess I have to wait for the same time tomorrow to try to do better. But if you use that same time to do things that you enjoy, as I said before, that return on investment, I mean, you don't need a ton of time. And so if you pick up the phone and call a friend and some of that stuff, I think calling a friend specifically can feel sort of intimidating. Like you said about coffee with a friend, like it feels like it's going to be this big endeavor. And for some reason, calling friends, I feel like that always sounds sort of intimidating to us these days. And whenever I do it, I hang up and I'm like, oh, my God, that was so great. Even if it's just a short call just to connect with someone and I feel totally refreshed. And I'm like, okay. You know, I had a weekend recently where I had to go run and get a haircut. And I had like 30 minutes before I had to meet my family. And so I had a book with me and I went and got a sandwich and read a chapter of a novel. And then by the time I came home, my kids were like, can we make cupcakes? Oh my God, I want to do this. And this. And I was like, okay. Whereas had I not done that, I I know I would have, I was at that place by the, at that time on the a Sunday afternoon where I was like, no, like just go over there, play a board game, like leave me alone. So I think that time can really refresh us and make us happier and also help us kind of be more present and enjoy the time with our family more, frankly. That's so true.
0: Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? My advice for aspiring authors, I always say like, stop
1: telling people about how you have this great idea for a book and just sit down and start writing that book. (laughs) I feel like I did that for a really long time with my first book. And I just, I hear from people all the time who say that to me, you know, oh, I have an idea for a book. And I was like, that's awesome. You should write it. You know, I think everyone can do it. The part that's hard is, I mean, writing is hard, of course, but if you have an idea, you know, the thing that kind of separates the people who do it from who don't do it is really just the sitting down and getting, you know, opening the computer and writing. And I remember, when I wanted to start my first book, I've been thinking about it for so long. And one day I was just like, okay, I'm just going to like watch all the TV and finish the internet. And then I'm just going to have nothing left to do. So I'm going to have no choice. And I just sat down and started writing. And I think sometimes it really is just kind of forcing your butt in the chair. Well,
0: thank you so much for uh, sharing your limited time with me to be on this podcast. So uh. (laughs) thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. That was awesome. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events thanks so much for listening today again please go check out wefoundtime.com wefoundtime.com for this week's new five essays from authors who have been in the podcast and also go to goldbelly.com and order some Nini's Treats Crumb Cakes they are so good and you will not regret it although your clothes might be a little tight next week Um, I hope you all have a great week bye bye thanks You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.